0: Welcome in to the Diamond Vols podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben McKee, joined as always by the great Eric Kane. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Kaner. That's it. I couldn't remember. I knew it was Kaner. I couldn't remember if there was an underscore uh, to to start it off. I still remember Shumpert's Twitter name from when I used to say it all last year, at rshump00. So go follow Ryan
1: Shumpert, too. Shout out to Ryan Shumpert. You get a free shout out as well hey, unless you want to five dollars. Real quick, I miss Ryan Shepard's coverage on Valkwest.com. It's just not <laughs> been the same. Uh I just hold on. Am I speaking to Eric? Hold on. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> We're gonna have to stop this. Uh, let me let, let me stop this and call uh, noted baseball expert Austin Price, the, the Jeff <laughs> Passon of the Tennessee baseball feed. Let me, let me
1: <laughs> for those who are completely lost right now, just having fun about a thread that was happening earlier this week. And Ryan Schumper does a fantastic job with all of his coverage. I'm not taking a shot at him. Just having, just t- taking a shot at Ben more so taking than anything. At Ben, I just, I'm glad we could finally.
0: Find Shumpert's burner on the general's <laughs> quarter. I mean, I, I'm glad we could finally find it. I, I, I mean that was his cousin him. for sure, or something. It had to have been his brother because that, that's the only person on the planet who cares about Ryan that much. I don't I don't even <laughs> think Ryan's I don't even think Ryan's bomb cares about his baseball coverage that that much, or, or maybe it was his bomb. Um, but I, I'm choosing to believe that it was Shumpert's burner account and he's been outed. He, he's the Kevin Durant of the baseball beat. Uh, Ryan Shumpert is so uh, Shumpert I-, I know that was you and and I hope you're having a good week uh, as I told you on on Monday in that thread but I'm Ben McKee he's Eric Kane uh, although I meant to call Austin Price and get Austin on here instead to break down a big big weekend mm-hmm. this weekend in Houston Tennessee number one Texas on Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Tennessee Baylor 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday tennessee oklahoma noon eastern on sunday eric
1: it's gonna be a fun weekend of baseball yeah can't wait for it uh super super thrilled to watch tennessee go up some of the you know the likes of this type of competition obviously texas um it's early and you know every team's trying to figure itself out but texas like tennessee world series bound last season actually was tennessee's last opponent it played uh during that 2021 campaign but um Want to see how good they are? Certainly on paper, they look the part, right? And then obviously uh, get going against Baylor on Saturday and Oklahoma on Sunday. Um, Interested to see if Tennessee can come out of this weekend with a 2 and one record or better. Um, And I think that's possible and uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll give a prediction before we get out of here. And uh, we'll also talk to Danny
0: Davis of the Austin Statesman, who uh, I got to talk with and preview Texas. i I Promised on our last podcast that I would get on somebody to to talk Baylor in Oklahoma, and I failed you. I guess I guess we should have gotten Ryan Shepard on. I was gonna Ryan say Shepard Ryan would have would have gotten a Baylor and an Oklahoma rider to come on and talk, but it, it was not for a lack of effort. I, I DM'd like three different guys who cover Baylor, three different guys who cover Oklahoma, and none of them DM'd me back. So screw all those people, quite frankly.
1: <laughs> screw all of them. Like, <laughs> see, Ryan would have dove in those DMs two weeks ago, and you waited until Thursday morning. So again, this is not we need true. uh we need our shump double zero um, at our, at our service here. This is not
0: true. I started Tuesday evening and uh, (laughs) continued into Wednesday morning trying to get somebody to talk Baylor in Oklahoma. But thankfully, uh, Danny Davis was kind enough to give us 18 minutes of his time, and he did a great job of breaking down Texas for us. And at least it was Texas that that we could get somebody to to talk about this weekend because I, I do think that that is the game this weekend. Everybody has circled, and that is the best of the three teams that Tennessee will play. So big thanks to Danny Davis. You'll hear him to end the podcast. But first, Eric and I are going to discuss this weekend. And before we discuss this weekend, I do want to go back to Tuesday night when Tennessee beat ETSU four to one. It was going on at the same time as the basketball game, as the basketball Vols were beating Georgia in Athens. But Eric Kane was at the ballpark at Lindsey Nelson Stadium on Tuesday night. And Eric, what would you take away from Tennessee's
1: 4-1 win over ETSU? Yeah, it was fun. Um, a l- little bit of a little bit of a pitcher's duel early on. We had um Smitty, Landon Smitty, uh, for ETSU, and of course he is a Farragut alum, so that was really cool to see. And then uh, Xander Seacrest uh, was on the mound for Tennessee, and a fast little moving game. It was really really cool because it wasn't that uh you know complicated in terms of having to document runs being scored. So I got to. Had the basketball game in one ear and watching a little bit, so it was nice. But no, nah, I thought uh, I thought Xander Seacrest looked really, really good. Uh, you know, he went into the fifth, got into a little bit of trouble, allowed that run, but four and two thirds, only one run, two hits, six strikeouts, fifty-three. His command was really impressive. Uh, he was working well, mixing up his pitches, changing speeds. But fifty-three of his seventy pitches were in for strikes, and so I thought Xander Seacrest looked uh, really good. And if he continues to have those impressive outings in the midweek. Um, you know, I know that he's gotten a, a smidge of work there on the weekend so far, but maybe he's an option for Tennessee uh, out of the bullpen for for some extended relief if needed, uh, potentially moving down the line. But uh, I was impressed with him. But you know, the story's is Camden Sewell. He picked up the win, tossed three innings and a third, um, seven strikeouts uh, so far on the year. He's got eleven strikeouts, only one walk. I thought that's I think that's really really impressive. Came on in a bind, needed to get that one out to preserve Tennessee's lead at the time. And did. And then he just, you know, swept through the next little bit that he was in there. But I thought he was really imp- impressive. Nice changeup on Tuesday night uh, for Camden Sewell. But you know, Tennessee was, you know, I mean, ETSU is a good ball club. Tennessee didn't do anything super impressive. Uh, the bats that are hot stayed hot. Trey Lipscomb, a two run home run. Jared Dickey had a nice day. Um, one of my biggest takeaways, however, though, were the missed opportunities for uh, the Volunteers. I uh, counted them up at the end of the game. Let's see here. Tennessee into the game with nine men on base, left six in scoring position. Tennessee won four to one, but you know, obviously you don't want to make it in the habits of leaving men on base like that, especially in scoring position. But overall, good quality win for Tennessee on Tuesday night. Good pitching, um, good enough hitting. And uh, ETSU again is is a hundred times better than what Iona was. And, uh, you yeah, know, I'm not trying to say that they're going to go to, you know, win the win conference or anything, but the competition level was, was pretty decent there for the midweek classic. Yes, and and that's
0: what was most important. Tennessee needs to face legitimate competition because I I can assure you that Tennessee is not going to coast through SEC play the way they coasted through Georgia Southern and coasted through Iona. I I did have a couple of people text me after listening to our podcast uh, recapping last weekend and push back on me maybe not giving Tennessee enough credit. I, I stated that I thought last weekend had more to do with Iona being just that bad than Tennessee being that good. I'm not going to change my
1: stance. I still agree. I still believe that. I, to be yes, the case.
0: I, I still believe that to be the case. Every team in the SEC should do to Iona what Tennessee did to Iona. And that's not taking anything away from Tennessee. Tennessee was still tremendous and, and played well. But, I mean, I got the sense that the players were even tired of Iona and recognized that they, there was just a steep drop-off in competition. And this is after I gave all the credit in the world to Tennessee for its its shellacking of Georgia Southern the week before you you can put a lot of stock in in that win that sweep over Georgia Southern where Tennessee outscored them thirty three to three that's against a, a legit baseball program not a SEC program but Georgia Southern's got a nice little baseball program as as we detailed Iona does not it, it's as simple as that so uh, Tennessee needed a step up in competition they got that on Tuesday night. And what stood out to me as I was watching on my iPad while the basketball game was going on, uh, was the play of Trey Lipscomb. Once again, jump starting yep. the offense with that two run home run. Uh Jordan Beck showing off the professional arm out there in, in
1: right field. Just second delivering. outfield assist already this season. And both, they both they both have just been so beautiful, man. And, and, and key parts too. I mean, I yep. believe that was uh that, that was a tied run game, game right there. Yeah. So it was two to one when he made that throw, just an absolute
0: laser to mm-hmm. home plate. And I, uh, after the basketball game was over, I did make my way up to Lindsey Nelson Stadium to talk to the players and, and talk to Tony because that was the last time we, the media, was going to have a chance to to catch up with him before this weekend in Houston. And I asked Jordan Beck, "Hey, do you like throwing out somebody at the plate, or, or would you rather hit a home run?" And he kind of said, "It's kind of like basketball," which he was an all-state basketball player and maybe not an all state but uh, at Hazelgreen high school there in huntsville he played with kyra lewis who was a one and done in alabama now plays for the pelicans after being a first round pick they won a state title together and uh he jordan beck was a, a great basketball player and you can tell that he is an athlete and uh he he likened it to the thrill of making a three-point shot to to the thrill of uh dunking the basketball and it's kind of to each their own, but he did say that he prefers to throw somebody out at the plate for for what it's worth, so uh, that stood out to me, and and we already knew that about Beck. He showed off the arm last year as well. It's it's just still fun to see him show off that arm. He's not just a power hitter. He he is a great defender. He can run the bases, Um, and now he's becoming a versatile hitter. His approach at the plate is expanding, and he's becoming such a great hitter, and he's on the verge of being a first-round pick and at minimum a a top-three round pick and making a whole lot of money if baseball ever returns. Uh, that's a different conversation. But uh, aside from Trey Lipscomb and Jordan Beck, Xander C. Christ, he was terrific, but I want to talk about Camden Sewell. Camden Sewell, I, he might be the most underrated pitcher in the SEC. He, he might be the pitcher that nobody knows about right now across the league that will know about him by the time the SEC tournament uh, rolls around. You mentioned the changeup. The slider was absolutely filthy. It's, it's unhittable yeah. right now. He's got a, a whole new level of confidence. He's strutting around the mound after a strikeout like he's Drew Gilbert walking off Wright State in the NCAA tournament. And, and I joked with him about it when he met with us uh, after the game, and, and he he got a kick out of that. So, Candon Sewell, he's going to be this year's Sean Hundley. He is going to have an amazing, amazing season. That slider – untouchable, he works quick, he throws strike, he trusts his defense, and he has a whole lot of confidence. So Camden Sewell, he he might play his way onto the all-SEC team. And he, he's by far Tennessee's most underrated pitcher because of Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, Blade Tidwell, some big-time names, but a lot of people are going to know Camden Sewell's name by the end of the season.
1: I think uh, it was either maybe Sunday, maybe last Thursday. One of these uh, shows we did here recently – and I made the comment that he might be Tennessee's, you know, most important pitcher, and that's saying a lot. I get it because again, you're not a starter, you're not going up against the ace on the other team, you're not a true freshman making a start against Texas. I get all that. You're not uh, little Jacob Degrom, mini Jacob Degrom, and Chase DoLander, Do- but um, it just you know his role out of the pen. He came out. Tennessee needed an out, need, absolutely needed an out to preserve the one run lead. Came in, got that out, stayed on. You know, tallied six more strikeouts over three innings after that. Like you said, mixing his pitches, working fast. And, you know, he's he's one of Tennessee's veterans. He's been doing this for a couple of years now. And so I, he might be one of the most important pieces to this team, uh, completely on, to be completely honest, because I think that kind of like we said, you know, where Tennessee might not have a quote-unquote closer, a traditional closer that's going to come in in the ninth inning and get three outs, you're going to deploy, you know, your best arm in, in the biggest big-time situations in the game. You know, that's kind of an example of what this is. In my opinion, that was a huge, it was early in the game. But it was a huge, huge moment in the game. And um, he stretched up enough to to continue to stay in there, too. So uh, he was very, very impressive. Again, the, the story of the night for me was kind of pitching both for ETSU, for Smithy and for Tennessee on Tuesday night. And obviously, Camden Sewell picked up the win, was, uh, was the, the headliner of
0: that. Yes, and Camden Sewell by far Tennessee's most important pitcher. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. There, he, he's going to be this year, Sean Hundley. And to be quite honest, mm-hmm. his stuff may be a little bit better than uh, Sean Hundley's. Not, not taken away from Sean Hundley. Uh, but if we were to split hairs and kind of break down uh, each pitcher, Camden's might be a, a little bit better. That, that slider is absolute filthy uh, yeah. right now. So uh, something to keep an eye on by far. And he'll get a lot of action this weekend, Kane. As we all know, Tennessee heads to Houston. Uh, as we record this, Tennessee is getting ready to take batting practice Inside of Minute Maid, uh, they they face Number One Texas tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Blake or not Blake Tidwell, but Chase Burns not is yet. Ex- it, not yet, not yet. Tony Vitello did give us an update, and if you've been following along on the GQ, it was nothing that you didn't already know. But uh, that he's been playing catch, and they they're not they're not going to speed him up for no reason. Him and Seth Halverson, but Chase Burns will get the start. On Friday against Texas, Chase burns 2 and0 on the season, he'll face lefty Pete Hansen for Texas who is Texas's ace. And we can start with that game Kaner because that, that is the biggest game of the weekend and uh, we won't dive too much into the Longhorns again, I got Danny Davis on and spoke with him about the Longhorns and, and he gave us a, a great breakdown. But I'm real fascinated to see how Chase Burns looks. And how Texas's lineup looks because this this pitching staff for Texas is going to carry the Longhorns this season, and the the bats for for Texas they're, they're good. Uh, don't get me wrong, but how good are they? That that's something that we'll find out this weekend. So Chase Burns is going to be a big measuring stick for Texas, but for Chase Burns, Texas is going to be a big measuring stick for him. And I'm kind of curious to see who is going to to give way and honestly the, the same applies for Tennessee's lineup as well Pete Hansen is going to be good I, I will be yeah. stunned if if Tennessee's lineup as good as it's been goes out there and runs up the score early and chases them out of the game and, and puts up five six seven runs on him um so can Tennessee's lineup that has had success can they find some success against Pete Hansen? uh there's a lot of uh, things to watch in this particular game and, and a lot of measuring sticks that, that we're going to be able to learn from tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, Texas, the Bats, you know, came alive in the first uh, weekend series of their season against Rice, you know, scored 15 runs in one game, 14 runs in one game, two midweek games against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, they scored 12 runs in one of those games. Then you got to the last weekend series against Alabama, okay, some SEC opponents. Texas scored only nine runs. I mean, pitching was a story uh, of that series and only needed nine runs. One, one to nothing on, uh, on on that Friday game, two, nothing on Saturday. Then, you know, Alabama ran out of pitching one, six to one on Sunday. Uh, So you're exactly right. Like, I think that's, you know, this is going to be a challenge for Tennessee's lineup. You know, how, how good is this Tennessee's lineup is? And of course it's, you know, we're not going to walk away this weekend with you know, oh, Tennessee's lineup's good, or Tennessee's lineup is oh, they struggled, they're really, really bad. It's going to you know continue to evolve over the season, but this is going to be a great test for Tennessee's lineup that's got pop, you know, from top to bottom. Really, it's not just Jordan Bag, it's not just Evan Russell, it's not just Drew Gilbert. I mean, Trey Lipson's come along, um, you know, Jared Dickey, you know, a, a ton of you know, countless other names that we talked about so far. So, really intrigued to see how this lineup looks, you know, top to bottom against the pitching that Texas will throw because again, rested will be game one. They're not going to throw everybody. Of course you got a couple more games left, but I'm intrigued to kind of see what that is, but also couldn't agree more to you as well. Chase Burns is going to be a test for them. Um, they, they, they haven't seen a guy like the likes of Chase Burns yet, and uh, he's going to test that, that lineup. So really looking forward to it. Texas has got nine preseason, all Americans, including Pete Hansen, as you mentioned, um, he's a stud, and uh, this is uh, really, really intrigued to see this Measuring stick game. I really wish this was a three-game series, because then we'd find out a lot about the Tennessee baseball team, but obviously Baylor and Oklahoma are going to be no pushovers, but uh, you'll get you'll get your one game. You'll get the best version of Texas, and I'm uh, really looking forward to that tomorrow night. Yes. For, for Tennessee, it's a good thing it's not a three-game
0: series, because all three starting pitchers for Texas are, are just stupid, stupid good. Two of them have not given up a run <laughs> this season. Yep. Pete Hansen, who Tennessee will face uh, on Friday, tomorrow night, he's 1-0 with a 0.00 ERA. Opponents are hitting 175 off of him, 16 strikeouts in 11 innings so far. He's dominant uh, on Saturday. Their Saturday starter is Tristan Stevens, who also has not given up a run this season in 12 innings. Uh, and then Tennessee is very familiar with Tanner Witt because Tanner Witt came in in relief against Tennessee back in Omaha, and, and he's been really good this year. He does have uh, an ERA, unlike the other two, but it's still just a 1.64 ERA, and he is 2-0 and on the season. So I think it's a good thing for Tennessee's bats that they don't have to face Texas all weekend, oh, yeah. although it, it would be a, a good test. It, it would be a, a fun series. I'm more tongue-in-cheek when I say that uh, as well. And I, look, I said it on on the podcast this past weekend. I'm real curious to see, in hindsight, kind of looking back on that Alabama-Texas series, is, is Alabama better than we thought they were? We we know they have some some really good starting pitching on Friday and Saturday. Uh, the top guys of their pitching staff are really good. They they only lose one to nothing on Friday. They only lose two to nothing on Saturday. And according to Danny Davis, our guest. Uh, the weather absolutely was terrible, and it was cold as all get out. Uh, and he joked that he tried to sit out for an inning uh, with one of his friends, and he did not last. He immediately ran back to the press box, he said, for the first time in his life. So is Alabama better than we thought they were? Or is Texas maybe not ready to be the, the bona fide, the ranked number one team in the country? I think that's going to be something that we can look back on in hindsight and and have an answer for possibly.
1: Yeah, and again that's uh, that's the beautiful thing about the beginning of each season these uh, these preseason preseason these pre-conference three game sets and these mid midweek challenges is you, you you don't know that just yet but you know maybe at least after this weekend obviously playing Tennessee and then you know the likes of the other teams there maybe we'll kind of figure it out and if so then that's something to pay attention to you know come SEC play with Alabama of course. Yes so Texas is
0: going to be a big test gonna be a fun one. number one Texas man. Uh, the battle of the UTs, the battle of the oranges, all those fun storylines when when those two teams uh, link up. And, and then, as you mentioned, Saturday and Sunday are, are not going to be a, a pushover by, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Baylor is only four and four in the season. Uh, they, they started off poorly um, in at, at home uh, against Maryland. They, they were swept uh, against Maryland or by Maryland, I should say, to start the season. But then they bounced back this, this past weekend and took two of three from Duke, a top 25 Duke team. So which which Baylor team shows up? And they did on Wednesday night pick up a nice win over Rice, which Rice is traditionally a good baseball program. Uh, so Baylor not going to be a pushover. Uh, Oklahoma as well, they're, they're off to a little better start than than Baylor, at least record-wise. Uh, that is, they started the season with a win over Auburn, playing down in a tournament at the Rangers ballpark in, in Globe Life. Uh, they're 5-2 and two on the year and have won their series uh, so far this season. Uh, they have a, a, an All-American in Peyton Graham, who is an absolute stud. Uh, Baylor also has a preseason All-American, an outfielder in Jared McKenzie. He, he's an absolute stud as well. Uh, In the Big 12, Baylor picked to finish fifth. Oklahoma picked to finish sixth. Uh, So they're not as dominant as Texas, but I think you summed it up perfectly. They're they're not two pushovers. But I do think, unlike Friday, and I'll just flat out say it, I do think Texas is the better baseball team than Tennessee, at least on paper. But, hey, that's why you play the games. Mm -hmm. But Saturday and Sunday, on paper, I think Tennessee's the better team when it comes to comparing them to Baylor and
1: Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll take ai will take a two on one record, you know, leaving Houston, then uh, then oh and three any day of the week. And and of course, you want to you want to pick up that win against Texas. I think that'd be awesome. Um, I think it'd be something to reference to, you know, later on in the season. Say, oh, well, you know, Tennessee knocked off Texas eight to six or eight to four or whatever the case may be, Uh, you know, as the season goes on. But this is not going to make or break your season. But I do think facing a little bit of adversity. This will be the first time in my opinion, that Tennessee will face adversity all season long, um, going up against a team like Texas, whether that means you lose that game or you have to find a way to win that game at some point, you know, in the later innings, I think that's going to be the case, but also, you know, how are you going to respond? Uh, you know, Baylor's a good club. Uh, you got that preseason outfielder, Jared McKenzie that you mentioned. And so far it's been Jack Pineda. That's been kind of stealing the show. He's kind of leading that lineup right now, leading the team. And, um, know, runs and hits and, uh, you know, R- up there with RBI as well. And so looking forward to seeing kind of how he looks like uh, in this lineup. And um, obviously Oklahoma is always in the conversation of being a really, really good baseball team in the Big 12. And always kind of one of those teams that are knocking on the doors uh, for, for the sectionals and, you know, and then trying to trying to get into Omaha uh, and challenge the other teams as well. So adversity is something that I'm looking forward to because you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about the team and how you respond to all that type of stuff. You know when you're challenged. Tennessee's not been challenged so far, um, so that's why these type of classics are really, really big. Before you get back and finish off your easy non-conference schedule, and then you will be challenged every single game once the uh, once South Carolina comes to town here in two weeks.
0: Yes, and speaking of adversity, Jordan Beck, Camden Sewell, so Tony Vitello had some cool comments after the game on Tuesday against ETSU. When I asked them what they wanted to learn about the team this weekend and Jordan Beck flat out said, I want to see what happens when something doesn't go our way. I I think we'll respond right to it, but it's also fun to see. uh, And with it being early in the year, it's good learning points if it happens. So Jordan Beck, uh, very curious to see how his team handles adversity. Camden Sewell as well said the same thing, how we handle adversity because we haven't been challenged as much as I think we should yet. So I think it will be good. We've had a a lot more innings that have been laid back than we have had stressful innings. So this weekend will be really good for us and see what our team's about. And Tony Vitello said uh, essentially the same thing, just used different phrasing. Uh, He referenced kind of seeing what happens when when the fire is hot. And anytime the fire is hot, you get to pull stuff from that. Out of three days, I'm willing willing to bet uh, two, if not three, we'll have nine full innings of the fire burning just as hot as you want it to. So I think that's the biggest thing this weekend, Kane, that, that I'm looking for. How does Tennessee handle adversity? Uh, whether it's Texas going up two to nothing in the second, or not even the second inning, We'll say Texas goes up two to nothing in the sixth inning. Later in the game, how does Tennessee respond to that? Or if, if Pete Hansen's shutting out Tennessee for five, six, seven innings, if if Texas even allows them to go that far this early in the season, how does Tennessee respond to to not having success against a dominant pitcher? Or uh, if chalk happens like we think it will, and Tennessee loses to Texas on Friday, its first loss of the season, how do they bounce back on Saturday against Baylor? On Sunday uh, against Oklahoma, or even if they lose to Texas and Baylor to start the weekend, and and they're staring at a at a possible sweep, how do they respond? With a noon game, actually 11 local time, 11 local time, first pitch. How do they respond on Sunday? I, I think that's the thing that I'll be looking forward to most along with continuing to evaluate the the new faces and the new roles that we have discussed at nauseam uh, these last couple of weeks. Uh, how do they handle adversity? And Kane, I think they'll handle it well, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you would hope so, right? I mean, that's um, it's a tip to coaching and, you know, the preparation that goes into it. How, how do you handle that type of stuff? So. You know we'll find out um again on adversity kind of going with chase burns i mean 18 years old right it's so easy to just sit here and say oh he needs to be mowing down everybody right could have been a major you know could it could have been a draft pick could be making money right now he needs he needs to mow them all down well i mean he's still 18 years old right i mean so on the road first time again any of these guys this year you know playing away from lindsey nelson stadium um just a lot of change and I, I think that's uh i think that's a really really good thing but um yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, you know, who's some of these positions are kind of finalizing themselves out right now. I mean, Ortega is the guy at second right now. The um, left side of the infield looks pretty set right now. Um, left field, still kind of a question mark. You're seeing I think that's Dickey. the biggest one left. Yeah. Yeah. You're seeing, you're seeing Dickey, you know, force his bat in the lineup. He's only got two starts on the season, but he's played in every game, I believe, almost, maybe all but one. You know, is he going to be the designated hitter? Is he going to play left field? Is he going to catch any? Um, That's kind of, as well, kind of what I'm looking for this weekend to left field and obviously the adversity.
0: And with Chase Burns sticking with the theme of cool comments from his peers, uh, I asked Camden Sewell, hey, what, what are we going to see from Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, Drew Beam against better competition this weekend? And he said their competitiveness. They haven't had a lot of stressful innings yet. Let's just be honest. I think you'll see who they really are this weekend, and they'll continue to do what they've been doing. And Tony Vitello uh, echoed those sentiments on young pitchers throwing in a major league ballpark, because that's the other thing, Kane, and, and something I actually meant to bring up earlier when we were discussing uh, Tennessee and, and the pop in the bat is this is a, a major league ballpark, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: that – uh, and one per- that's unique as well in its own right. I mean, they've, they've helped out with the hump there in center field. Like, back in the day, oh, my gosh, who, who was it? Um, was it uh, Jim Edmonds that made that incredible catch there so. over the shoulder? of? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they kind of helped that out as well. But it's still a unique ballpark in its own right. And just the lure of, you know, sitting there not getting starstruck. I mean, if I walked in Minute Maid Park, I, one of my hobbies, sidebar conversation, I, I'm, I'm trying to go to every single ballpark. I've been to over half of them. It's kind of like a it's a it's a hobby, but it's a very expensive hobby. If I walked in that ballpark, you know, like you are, so jealous, um, I'd be looking all around like, Oh my God, look at this place. This is so cool. I mean, you can't do that. You're there to play a game, right? You gotta keep it between the lines and you got to be dialed in and mentally prepared every single bat. Um, I think that'll be a challenge, especially for some of these young guys, maybe at first until they step up and see Henson for the first time. But you know, all that goes into it. And I think that's kind of where you were going with it. That, you know, this is a ballpark, a major league ballpark. So a lot, lot of mental preparation you know for this weekend easy to show off the power
0: in lindsey nelson stadium yeah. it's a it's a very hitter friendly ballpark and look the box out in left field at minute made it's close but just the the whole i guess you could call it a wall where, where the train the where the train tracks are i guess that's on top of a wall i guess you could say yeah. i I'm, I'm not an architect I, I don't really know how to describe that but I mean that's intimidating in its own right kind of like the 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 green monster out at Fenway. So the yeah. box isn't like I think it's I want to say it's 310, 315 down the line at Minute Maid to the box, but the box is still pretty tall. <laughs> so it's you got to get that, it up. That's there. why, yeah. Yes, and and then it's real deep to in the gaps and, and to dead center. Uh, right right field is just kind of your ho-hum kind of average uh, situation. Uh so how does Tennessee's power translate in a major league ballpark? I'm, I'm curious to see that. But then uh, as I was getting to Tony's quote about young pitchers throwing in a major league ballpark, like Chase Burns, the backstop is going to look much different than, than Lindsey Nelson stadium. Uh, Chase Dolander, I, I can't tell you exactly everywhere he pitched last season. I, I don't know where Georgia Southern went on the road last year, but I would imagine it was nothing like minute Maid park uh, and, and drew beam. Uh, he's a true freshman, just like Chase Burns. It's going to be a little bit different than, than being at Blackman High School in the mid-state. But Tony Vitello seemed to be very confident in his guys, uh, said that Coach Anderson has those guys in the bullpen and has full autonomy as it relates to coaching those guys. I think he's got a really good feel of when it's time to crack a joke or when it's time to calm a guy down. You could going down the list but I fully trust he'll have those guys ready maybe I'll say my piece if I see something but I don't think the guy on Friday Chase Burns would have gotten the ball on opening day unless he kind of naturally and maybe it's the home he comes from whatever or maybe he knows how good his stuff is he's got the calm and the presence of a sophomore or a junior and Chase Dolander is new to our program but he started most of last year Drew Beam and I thought this part was was really cool uh, about his quote Eric Drew Beam is in the same category as Chase Dolander, as Chase Burns. And Tony Vitello said it's time to include him. Next year, I don't see why all of those guys wouldn't be lumped together, so we might as well do it now. He's got quarterback-type presence and, again, another kid that comes from another really good family. To me, the key is for those three guys and for all of our guys to enjoy it. It'll go by fast. It's our first road trip together. You're playing in a big league park. You're surrounded by some of the best teams in the country. I've been there before, and they do a great job of running it, so play ball and enjoy it. But how about that quote about Drew Beam and Tony – before he's faced legitimate competition, already wanting to lump him in with Chase
1: Doander and Chase Burns. I think it says a lot. I think it says, I mean, there's a reason he's here. There's a reason Tony brought him in. Um, there's a reason why he's been getting the ball every third day uh, here at the beginning of the season. So just because we haven't seen it. And again, it's not like he's been bad because he's not been bad. He struggled with uh, command just a smidge, maybe in his first outing. He walked off, I think three or four in that first uh, go about. But I mean, it's just like we've been blown away by Burns and Dolander on Friday and Saturday. So by the time we get to Sunday, Tennessee's already been beating the crap out of whoever its opponent is. Beam's only going, you know, he's not he's not staying there long. It's it's kind of like he's an afterthought right now. Um, he's probably okay with that right now. But uh, I think it says an awful lot about you know Tony saying that, saying, "Hey, they're going to be all gr- grouped together next year, so might as well do it this year." Um, I think that's a good sign. It's a good sign too. And and uh, I also went up and looked at Georgia Southern's schedule for 2021. Uh, They had awesome trips to the College of Charleston, North Florida, and Troy that that highlighted their away trips last year. So Chase Dolander um, might be in that category as well as kind of in awe of of walking into a major league park. This will be the best place he's ever played. I will say Troy would surprise you with how nice their baseball stadium is. I actually
0: played there in high school, and it's a a really, really nice uh, stadium. But still, it's Troy. How, how many, many errors? Much, uh, zero. Zero errors when you play on the bench. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> got you there. Um, <laughs> much different than, than, than Minute made to say the least. And, and the cool part about that conversation we just had about those three pitchers, yeah. Blake Tidwell is still on the shelf, and he's the best pitcher right now out of all of them. And Seth too, Halverson's because... on the
1: and Seth Halverson's on the shelves, and he's gonna be one of the most important arms out of the bullpen. He can come in and pump upper 90s and touch a hundred. Hey, we're, we're just at the beginning of this year, and you know, and, and Tibble will come back, you know, hopefully by SEC playing everything. You know, Halverson is, is well down the line, but gosh, this team is is positioned so well to be to be good for years. I mean, really, because it all starts. It all starts with pitching. I mean, anybody that follows baseball, anybody that's a lifelong, you know, Yankees or Braves fans like you and I. I mean, you're not successful without stocking your 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 farm system with arms. You went on arms, and Tennessee is in a great spot. Great spot moving forward. Yeah, and the other thing, and we're getting kind of
0: off track, and it's my fault. I'll take the blame. Uh big picture thing is like, and they're bringing in this talent with crap resources. Yeah, like imagine. All these projects that are being discussed, permanent seating down the left field line, a permanent double-deck porch. There's been small talk uh, about a, a baseball-specific dorm out behind right field, and, and you kind of have a infield turf, indoor infield turf, like, inside that building. Like, imagine what the type of talent that Tony Vitello is going to bring in when he, when he adds those uh, amenities. And he's already recruiting lights out and beating like Arkansas wanted Chase Dolander and he wanted to come to Tennessee instead.
1: would not have to bring in recruits through the uh, left field line anymore. The the left field out, uh, outfield down Right that, field, uh,
0: no, they they they
1: they Right they, field I mean yeah yeah right field. You, you don't want to go on
0: the other side. No, they'll they'll still be bringing The right field is the only place anybody comes through. Uh baseball current players, recruits, coaches, they despise the front and if if you really want to piss Tony Vitello off, just mention that there is a parking lot in his stadium. <laughs> that, 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 that'll really get him going. But, that again, we're getting off track. That's a side, side conversation. And I'll, I'll get myself pissed off. Seeing all these other SEC baseball stadiums looking like minor league parks and Tennessee has the second worst in the SEC, they're only ahead of Missouri. It's the most ridiculous thing on the planet. Meanwhile, though, uh, the football facility has a bulldozer currently on its field digging up all the dirt over there for a basketball court and a in a fireplace. But I I digress. I'm not trying to pick a, piss anybody off, all the all the football folks off. Uh, what pays to, the to, bills, Benjamin? I I understand, but my point is that at a place like Tennessee, you have enough resources I to agree. take care of all of it. I agree. Uh, you got me going I on this Thursday, Kaner. Um, <laughs> two two quick things before we get out of here and get to Danny Davis to to wrap up. Who needs to play well this weekend in order for Tennessee to have success? Uh, if if you want to go, kind of vague with with positions, or, or if you want to go player specific, that's cool. Just kind of wherever your mind goes. But who what what needs to happen for Tennessee to have a successful
1: weekend? Yeah, this is this might be a cop out. This might be just too much of an easy answer. But your vets, your vets have got to show up, right? Um, you your veterans have played in big games before. Your veterans uh, have played in the College World Series before, and yeah, it's not like they've been bad so far. They see Jordan Beck's been great. You, Drew Gilbert's hit a Grand Slam. Uh, Evan Russell's got a couple of home runs on the season. So I mean, it's not like they've been bad. But a lot of times, man, it's been all these newcomers that have been carrying the load, right? So you need those three guys you need Russell you need Gilbert you need back to uh you know not be intimidated do what they do and let the others kind of you know come and inform the offense around them as well so uh those three guys in the lineup would like to see them be very consistent and kind of set the tone for everybody else that should be a really really exciting weekend um I'll go with that trio in the middle of the order well the Russell's not really in the middle, but you know what I'm saying. I know what you mean. We know what you mean. Yeah. He's still, even though he
0: bats like eighth, he's still the heart and soul of the yeah. order and the team. Uh, I'll yeah. go starting pitching just, just because it doesn't really matter how many runs you score. If you're giving up a ton of runs and, and also like I, I kind of expect a grace period for Tennessee's lineup. Like, like I don't think they're just going to come out and just go home run derby on three really good big 12 baseball programs. So can Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, Drew Beam, uh, the relief pitchers that come in after them, can they give Tennessee's hitters kind of a grace period uh, in the sense, allow them to warm up and just not allow the game to not get out of hand, but, you know, don't don't allow it to be a four- or five-run game by the time the bats get going. Uh, so I, I think the pitching has to, to really perform well uh, this weekend because you're facing really good competition, with the, the hitters, obviously. Uh,
1: prediction that we won't hold you to it uh, for this weekend? Give me three and up. No, I'm just kidding. Give me two and one. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm very conservative and making predictions whenever. Um, I'll, I'll take Texas to beat Tennessee on Friday, I'll take Tennessee to beat Baylor and Oklahoma won't surprise me at all if Tennessee can go 3 and 0. Um won't surprise me at all if Tennessee takes down Texas then drops one of the other games. It's just hey, that, that's baseball sometimes. But I'll say 2 and 1. You leave with two wins and that one loss even if that one loss is to Texas, even if it's by four or five runs, whatever. I think it's a good weekend. You come back home with a winning record. I'll say 2 and 1.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I said it earlier. I mean, I I'm just going kind of off what we know and what I know, at least according to the papers, that Texas is better than Tennessee. Yeah. And I do think Tennessee will be very competitive, and it would not surprise me if, if Tennessee wins that game. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll with Texas in the opener, but I think Tennessee bounces back with, with wins over Baylor in Oklahoma. And I, I, one last thing, because I, I had forgotten my, my train of thought there when you got me all riled up about the, the baseball facility, and we can go quick here. I, I wrote a story on VolQuest about Tennessee wanting to make a statement uh, they, they go to Texas two years ago at the Round Rock Classic, and they made a statement. They beat number one Texas Tech on Friday. They beat Houston on Saturday, a good baseball program. And then they beat a top 25 Stanford team on Sunday. And that statement that they made was kind of like, hey, Tennessee baseball is here under Tony Vitello. Do you agree that they're, they can make another statement this weekend? It'll be different, a different type of statement, but they can make the statement of, hey, going to Omaha last year was not a fluke, and Tennessee baseball under Tony Vitello is here to stay. And under Tony Vitello, we
1: don't rebuild after successful seasons. We reload and make another run at Omaha. Absolutely, because, I mean, look at how much turnover has been on this team from from the last time Texas saw this team, that lineup, those guys in the bullpen, those arms that they face. Look at all the turnover. Sure, there's some familiar faces, absolutely, but – a lot of turnover. So, uh, you know, it's, it's regroup, no rebuild regroup. And uh, yeah, I think this would be like, Hey, last year was not just us getting hot at the right time and advancing on and going to Omaha. It's no, it's a quality of the program that Tony Batella has built that you're going to be competitive each and every year. Sure. You might not make Omaha or heck, you might not even make the supers every single year, but you're going to be in position to get to that point and give yourself a chance. Um, Yeah. I think that's the type of statement that Tennessee can make this weekend by, being competitive against number one Texas, maybe winning, but leaving leaving the weekend again with a winning record two and one at least, um, I think is what you should be shooting for.
0: Completely agree, uh, and this is the tournament to do so. Tennessee's only playing Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas, but LSU will be there, UCLA will be there. the The stadium is going to be packed uh, by college baseball standards. A lot of Texas fans will obviously be there. LSU fans for for LSU baseball travel really well as well uh and i think we're going to see a good amount of tennessee fans i mean it, it is in houston texas so let's also temper expectations when i say that but i think there there will be a noticeable tennessee presence and, and it's just going to be a, a really fun weekend down in houston and uh, a big weekend over at volquist canary as tennessee basketball big game with arkansas saturday noon uh, 13 versus 14 possibly winning a share of the SEC title if they can win and South Carolina can find a way to to win on the road at Auburn you've got a big junior day you'll you'll be on top of that uh, with Austin and and Brent Rob will have you covered with basketball and, and then I'll be in Houston uh, to take care of the baseball so this weekend as we are doing a great job of all of of covering everything going on how can people follow you and your work my friend
1: yeah, at underscore Caner on Twitter. Uh, at Caner was taken. Some mom like in New New Jersey. <laughs> it's really frustrating. At underscore Caner. And, uh, yeah, so much stuff. Plenty of ret- recruiting. Hey, that period's over. And uh, it's going to be full speed ahead. Looking forward to uh, getting back into commitment season. Don't expect that from this weekend, um, at least not right now. But uh, it's going to start heating up soon. So you can find us all there. And at ballquest.com, we have everything you possibly need. Yes, and it's gonna be a crazy weekend so we're not gonna put a, a time stamp on when
0: we're going to do so, but Kane and I are gonna to try to hop on Zoom uh 15 or so minutes af- after each game and and give some thoughts on Tennessee baseball this weekend So again no 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 guarantee on what time that will get done but it, it'll be it'll get done after each game just because we have uh, so much going on. Uh, he is Eric Kane. I am Ben McKee and Without further ado, we will wrap up this edition of the Diamond Vols podcast with Danny Davis, who covers the Longhorns for the Austin Statesman there in Austin. So a big thanks to Danny for joining us, and and he was great giving us terrific insight. So uh, for Eric, I'm Ben. We'll talk to you this weekend. And here is Danny Davis. Joined now by Danny Davis, the Longhorns writer for the Statesman. Danny, how are you, my friend?
2: I can't complain, you know. I woke up this morning, so it's all all good in the hood, as as the as the kids say, I suppose.
0: Yes, uh, I, I like to use the phrase "good in the hood," so I'm glad somebody else uh, does as I, well. I don't, know, of, I don't
2: know if the kids actually say that. I'm I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not too up up to date with the, what the kids are saying these days.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in that phase of my life where I'm getting away from knowing what the kids are saying. So I, I think some still may say that. If not, I'm I'm at least still trying to to carry that torch. Uh, shamelessly, but I wanted to get you on to talk about uh, Friday night's game between Tennessee and Texas on the diamond. Uh, the last time I saw Texas play baseball, Texas was eliminating Tennessee from the college world series. And it, it seems like most of that pitching staff, if not all of that dominant Texas pitching staff is is back for another season.
2: Yeah. I mean, they did lose the first round pick and tie Matt, and he's now in the Detroit farm system. I don't know. If he's actually you know, he's not playing right now because who knows what's actually going on with the with the MLB. But you know Ty was their Friday guy, um, their ace. But they seem to have kind of picked up where they left off. Obviously, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're quite familiar with Tanner Witt and what he did in relief in that game. Uh, Tristan Stevens, who will be Texas Saturday starter, started that ma- that game and then um, struggled a little bit earlier. And Tanner Witt came on, was excellent in relief. Um, and Tanner will start on Sunday, so Tennessee won't see him either this weekend. But those two guys are now their Saturday, Sunday starters, both having two really good years. Uh- so far, Tanner's actually having the worst of the two years, and all he's done is allowed two earned runs in his two starts. But Tristan has a 0 ERA, and the guy that Tennessee will see on uh, Friday um, is also perfect and unblemished with his ERA. So three really good starting pitchers, their bullpen, they've added some arms. Um, Aaron Nixon's still their closer. So this Texas team, if they're going to go back to Omaha, it's going to be based off their pitching. And so far, so good, though, um, as I'm sure – Tennessee fans are are struggling to kind of comprehend this season. Both these teams haven't really played anyone yet, so we're kind of still figuring out who how good this this pitching staff and this this offense is. But um, we thought this pitching staff was going to be good going into the season. And after two weeks, I don't think anyone at Texas has any complaints.
0: Yeah, I can assure you that uh the the competition texas has faced rice a&m corpus christi alabama sam houston uh, i can assure you they are better than iona who tennessee played this past weekend and uh not trying to, to throw iona under the bus too much but quite literally the worst baseball team i have ever seen play in in my life it, it was not very competitive so we will learn uh, quite a bit about tennessee this weekend with Pete Hansen, for those who are not as familiar uh, with, I guess you could say he's the ace since he started on Friday, but it seems like you could uh, say anybody on the Texas staff is an ace. But what would be your scouting report for somebody who's not very familiar with him?
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, I think Texas kind of feels that they have a 1A, 1B, 1C. Um, I think they would feel comfortable with any of their guys in that Friday spot. But, you know, Pete, he's just efficient. Uh, he's not going to overpower you. With his stuff, but he um, you know manages to get a lot of ground balls. Trusts trusts his um, defense behind him, and just uh, pitches to contact when he needs to. He had a pretty decent. Um, I think he had maybe eight strikeouts against Alabama. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but he had decent um, strikeout numbers against Alabama. And he just doesn't. He, he's just efficient. Um, when he came up as a freshman, um, what seems like four thousand years ago it was 2020. Um, he had a perfect DRA that season um, that cut, got cut short. Um, they're about to promote him to the weekend rotation. When that season got c- cut short last year, he started. Um, he had some issues at the beginning of the season um, with some injuries. I believe he had COVID, um, so working working his way back from that was kind of working out of the bullpen. Um, finally, was brilliant in a relief appearance against Texas Tech, and they promoted him to the the weekend rotation after that. And he was uh, pretty stellar um, down the stretch. And this year, he finally has that uh that um you know Friday night job, uh, left hander quality quality arm. Once again, you're not going to see him hitting 99 or anything like that, but he's he's just efficient and he's been efficient for um, three seasons now. And he has a really good, really good arm on, on this Texas staff.
0: You, you did a great job of breaking down the starters uh, a moment ago, um, but obviously, Tennessee's not playing Texas three games this weekend. Uh, so, looking at the bullpen, who are some of the top guys that if fits a close game? Uh, that texas would most likely deploy and, and try to get them to shut the door on tennessee and pick up a win you
2: yeah, know well, aaron nixon will be the guy in the ninth if uh, texas is up or maybe tied um he's he was their closer last year at some nice moments um in, in omaha in that mississippi state game that they won and he's been a solid quality closer for them uh, for these these two years travis staley is probably the first um First guy that we'll see out of the bullpen. We're still trying to get a read on him because he was injured last year. This is his uh, redshirt freshman year. Came in off elbow surgery. He's looked good um, in the the times we've gotten to see him, and they seem to be pretty confident with him. He was the first person they called the season out of the bullpen. Um, Dre Dupl- Duplante probably is not pitching um, in these first couple of games because he started on um, Tuesday night at Sam Houston State. So I doubt they would use him in a relief. Um, um, in one of these games, if this was Omaha, he, he probably would be one that get, get in, get in that call, but you know, the good, good quality arm, um, Luke Harrison, Lucas, Gar- Lucas Gordon, um, two other, two other good um, guys who've had some good seasons. I mean, you just look up and down their um, their roster and they've had, you know, solid contributions throughout, throughout the bullpen. Once again, not facing the, the Yankees, but you know, they have, you know, pitched pretty solidly out of the bullpen as they, Get a lot of new guys. A lot of these guys that you're going to see this weekend out of the bullpen either were injured or weren't on the team last year. And so they're trying to, you know, work a lot of these guys in and um, kind of see kind of see what they have here. But Travis Staley will be probably the first name called um, to Pete if, uh, if that is necessary before the ninth inning um, against Tennessee.
0: From the outside looking in and kind of watching from afar this past weekend, uh, keeping up with the score, uh, with Texas and Alabama, it seemed to be three really competitive uh, baseball games. And and just kind of with Alabama being in the SEC footprint and realizing that they haven't necessarily been a dominant team uh, over the last couple of years, they're, they're a solid team, and NCAA tournament team, but not a team that's probably going to make it to a Super Regional or Omaha. My opinion was trying to figure out, okay, is Alabama actually taking a step forward this year, or, or maybe is Texas uh, – not deserving of that number one ranking, I guess you could say, or or maybe uh, they're just not ready to to be that top team in in the country just yet. What was kind of your takeaway from the Texas Alabama series this past weekend and, and how it played out?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want all your listeners to think that I'm being a Texas apologist when I say this, um, so you know don't don't you know turn up, turn this off or roll your eyes, y'all, but um, you can't take anything from that series last week. Um, Friday and Saturday were miserable. Um, weather wise, I went out and sat in the stands with one of my friends for an inning and a half. And I could not, I, 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 for the first time in my life sprinted somewhere to get back up to the press <laughs> box. It was, it was just that cold, cold and miserable. Um, both teams, you, you, you would hear a, a batter, you know, get a great swing. And then you hear the crack of the ball off the bat and you'd be like, Oh my God, that's going, that's going 450 feet. And it'd die halfway in, into center field. Like it, balls were dying left and right. It was cold. Both teams just clearly just wanted to get 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 in, get out, and you know, pitching on both teams are good. I don't know enough about Alabama to gauge how they were last year as opposed to how they looked this weekend, but you know, Texas, um, I think the first two games was just a matter of it was cold and they were doing what they needed to do to get done, and then six one on Sunday, um, you know, they looked better on Sunday, but then again, I, you know, at that point, if you're Alabama, you're at the end of your rotation you're at the end of, you know your, your bullpen arms are a little tired if they if they pitch so um it's kind of a little tough to get too big of a read off a, off a sunday game so i mean texas did what they needed to do a win's a win um you know they're not you know style points don't really exist in college baseball uh you just need to get done what you need to get done and they did it but you know especially that friday game where it was miserable and that saturday game where it wasn't wasn't much better i would not read too much into it um they they want they did they did what they needed to do
0: Absolutely, absolutely. If you were Tennessee's pitching coach and kind of scouting Texas and, and getting ready for Friday night's game, who, who are the guys in Texas's lineup that you're circling and you are absolutely aware of when they come to the plate?
2: Um, Ivan Melendez. Um, I'm sure if you followed this team at all or you saw um, you know them them at all in Omaha, you're you're aware of his power. Couple um, we've. Weekends go and Rice, he hit two home runs that traveled a combined 900 feet. Um, like he just has this raw, effortless power. Um, you know, he you can get him out, but if he gets a hold of get a hold, gets a hold of the ball, it's gonna it's gonna sail a long, a long way. Um, top to bottom. Texas has been pretty solid so far this season. I think they take pride in having about 10 guys. Um, They're nine starters, then Dylan Campbell, who um, is kind of a rotational guy. Um, actually, eleven. Murphy Staley is kind of in that mix too. So they've 10, 11 guys they feel comfortable um, placing placing in the lineup. And um, I, I don't I don't want to say any of them are invincible because I've definitely seen this Texas team go through some maddening droughts <laughs> on offense o- over the years. And definitely that could happen once they start facing better offenses than they than they have seen. But so far they've looked uh, you know pretty solid throughout this season. Coming off a ten run performance early in the week. On the road up at San Houston State, so you know Ivan Melendez is the big bat that's going to have the highlights. But you know, starting from Eric Kennedy up top to Trey Faltini, they're um, you know defensive wonderkin that um, in the eight hole, they're they're pretty solid um, throughout the lineup. But you know, we'll see what we'll see when we actually get see a good SEC team. Just exactly where this offense is uh, at, it'll be it'll be a good measuring stick for them this weekend.
0: Yeah, and it'll be a good measuring stick for Tennessee because they're throwing a kid in Chase Burns, who this is his first start against legitimate competition. He He's a true freshman and probably starting on Friday, mainly because Blade Tidwell's injured right now. But he would be in the starting rotation Saturday, Sunday, even if Tidwell was available. So this will be his first step up in competition as well, his third career start. So interested to see how he, he does, and it'll be a good measuring stick for him as well, when you hear people talk about Texas nationally or just anybody talk about Texas, they always start with the pitching staff, obviously, and, and rightfully so. And I, I think it's safe to assume that the Texas pitching staff is going to carry Texas this year. But with the lineup, do you think it, it's a must uh, that the Texas pitching staff carries them? Or, or do you think it'll it'll be a, a very reliable lineup and maybe they're not getting enough credit just because so many eyes are, are on the pitching staff?
2: I, you know, it's probably too early to say, to be quite honest. Um, I think ideally Texas would like it there. Um, They didn't have to rely on these, you know, two nothing games or relying on, because, you know, eventually Pete Hanson is not going to have a zero zero ERA. Eventually Tristan Stevens is not going to have a zero zero ERA. Eventually, you know, opposing teams, whether it's to scouting or just, they run into better, better offenses. are going to score against this team. So, you know, they're going to need their offense to get better, but, you know, you're allowed to have a couple off days at the plate when you when you have that pitching staff. When um, that pitching staff has your back, so I think most people expect this pitching staff to carry this team. I certainly do, but um, you know this offense, we'll see. We'll see if they're up to the challenge. There were some times last year, like I said, where they did not look good, and then there's other times where you know they scored eight runs against a good Tennessee team last year at the College World Series. So you know it it, it can happen. They have talents, uh, you know a good handful of these guys are going to get drafted at some point. So, um, you know, not to sound like over condescending, you know, condescending Texas reporter, you don't get to university of Texas by being, you know, a scrub. So, like, you don't get to Tennessee by being a nobody. So, you know, there's, there's talent on both these teams. And if you're starting at one of these two teams, you know, you can hit better than me and you can, you know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Two more things for you. and, And I'll get you out of here. Uh, joined by Danny Davis, who covers uh, the Longhorns for the Statesman, uh, there in Texas, defensively, uh, how how is Texas defensively? Are, are they projected to be a, a strong defensive team this year? Is that a weakness? It seems from just doing some research on my end, they're pretty strong up the middle, uh, catcher, middle infield, and and out in center.
2: Yeah, they're they're actually they're pretty a pretty solid defensive team um, for the season. Uh, David Pierce was really high on his uh, outfield um, with Eric Kennedy, who's a fourth-year guy in left field. Douglas Hoto, who's now in his third year in center. And Austin Todd, who has been here for six years now in right field. Uh, they're pretty confident um, with just the, the experience and just the way they play out there up the middle. They are really good. Um, Trey, Trey Faltini is a defensive highlight machine. Um, had two errors a couple weeks ago a couple games ago against Texas or a and Corpus Christi, which is really surprising, but uh, he's going to, he'll sometime this weekend do something that Texas is going to have, um, you know, tweeted out to the world. It's going to kind of make you j- j- drop your jaw and be like, Oh, wow, that this kid is really good. Mitchell Daly is his uh, guy at second base. Um, you know, there is a little bit of a question at first base. Um, Ivan Melendez, who I mentioned earlier, is kind of um, feeling his way out of that position. He was a DH last year, came back to school so he could learn, you know, n- n- Saying learn how to play the field is a little condescending. means he's a he's a, he, he's a college baseball player, but get better at um, playing the field. So he's still kind of adjusting, but he made he's made a couple nice plays um, so far, and kind of seems to be settling in over there. So I, I think first base is probably the biggest question. Um, I think this Texas team has uh, Silas Arduan. Um, behind the plate, loves throwing people out. I had a nice pickoff against Alabama. Um, you know, he'd he he he'd love it if a uh, Tennessee uh, player, uh, you know, if there's any speedsters among the volunteers, he'd love the challenge if those guys decide to take off on him and test his arm. So, you know, they are a pretty solid defensive team. It's not a team that's going to commit four errors. Um, like I said, Trey had two errors the other day, and it was pretty shocking. I don't think anyone expected that. So, you know, and that helps because that pitching staff that we talked about, you know, um, Pete Hansen's not overpowering you. He's gonna, you know, trust his trust his defense behind. him. Tristan Stevens, who'll go on Saturday, is not gonna overpower you. He's gonna trust the guys guys behind him. So, you know, you need a good defense when you have pitchers like that, um, and allows them to be as effective as as they've been. It's a, it goes hand in hand.
0: Last thing I want to ask you about isn't uh, baseball specific. I want to ask you about Texas fans and and their perception of Tennessee uh, over here in in Knoxville and amongst the Tennessee fan base. We the Folks like the joke about the, the battle of the UTs and the, the, the different shades of orange and who the real UT is. is Does that exist amongst Texas fans? And for Tennessee fans, it's nothing like the, their hate for Alabama or, or Florida or Georgia. It's nothing like that. It's more just jokes and, and things of that nature. But uh, is there a conversation amongst Texas fans about the real UT and, and those type of things?
2: I mean, there is this week next week it won't be a, t- a topic as i'm sure that's the same case uh up, up with y'all um you mm-hmm. know it's it's one of those fun things that people get a you know, talk smack about on on uh twitter and i'm sure if uh um there's a burnt orange i don't know what shade of orange uh, tennessee likes to refer to themselves as but
0: um orange just orange is not yeah, really uh i guess the, burnt there's the piece. right there, there's a palette or whatever the specific color. Yeah. I, I can't ever remember which one it is but uh it, folks just typically refer to it as just simple orange.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure if you know burnt orange meets orange on the concourse and maybe a little little smack talk but after the game everyone's going to buy each other a beer and move on to the the next opponent, you know, maybe in a couple of years when Texas and Tennessee are both in the SEC this uh becomes a little bit more of a heated uh conversation, but yeah, you know, I've seen a couple jokes, I've seen a couple um you know tweets or you know this is why Texas is the real UT as opposed to Tennessee, but once again, as soon as this game's over, um, I, I would not imagine that it is going to be that that big of a of a talking point for the for the rest of the year.
0: For sure, there, there were a lot of UT jokes uh, when Rick Barnes made his return to Austin a couple of weeks ago, and, and back during the summer when it was announced that Texas was going to be joining the SEC. So I, I'm sure it'll ramp up and and it'll turn to uh, possibly a nice rivalry that that would be pretty cool and. Uh, storylines galore for sure and tennessee fans always like to remind texas fans that uh texas would not be a state if it weren't for david crockett in the alamo so that that's kind of always their, their go-to and it's it's pr- pretty funny there uh danny i really appreciate your time uh if tennessee fans want to read up on texas ahead of friday night's big clash uh, how can people follow you and your work or, or go back and, and kind of scroll through your twitter and find some work
2: uh, yeah, Twitter at AAS Danny um, hook'em.com is our, the website that we have all of our uh, uh, Texas contents. Uh, you know, if y'all want to read up on, on Longhorns, uh, I would suggest uh, hitting up those places. And yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to a good a good baseball game. As as we both mentioned, these teams have looked really good. But we haven't seen a lot of good baseball so far. So I'm just looking forward to seeing a, a good game on Friday. And I'm sure both teams are going to be up to the challenge.
0: Perfect. And and hopefully Tennessee and Texas can uh, run into each other down the road in the NCAA tournament or back in Omaha. And we can have you back on. I've really enjoyed talking with you.
1: All right. Have a good one.